Hey, welcome. It's good to see you guys this morning. We um, are finishing up a series this morning um, called Kings of Israel. In the last four weeks, we've been talking about the Old Testament, about King David and King Solomon in particular, and, you know, how it relates to our lives. And, um, you know, this morning, we're going to talk about this Old Testament temple that King Solomon built and why that's important. I mean... um, you know, when I first knew I was going to teach on this, you know, several months ago, I was like, man, this is going to be great, you know, and I was super excited about teaching about the Old Testament temple. And, you know, I, I don't know about you, but do you ever read the Old Testament sometimes, and maybe it's just me, and you're like, man, I have no idea what this has to do with me. Has anybody ever been like that besides me? Raise your hands. Come on. Okay. All right. Everybody else who doesn't have their hands raised, you need to get up here and teach, right? So... There are times I just read the Bible and I'm like, God, I don't know. What does this have to do with me? And sometimes when I read about the temple, because there's lots of descriptions. Well, you know, the, you know, the curtain was this many inches thick and the walls were, you know, and just detail. And I'm not a detailed person. And so I just kind of, you know, I get lost in details. Just, just tell me the big picture and I kind of get lost in details. And so sometimes when I'm reading about things, I, I'm like, I really got to pray and say, God, what do you want to show me? Well, What's really important for us to know this morning is when we think about the Bible, the Old Testament in particular, and here's kind of the punchline, like here's the big idea, is that God told, told Solomon in particular that he was going to build a temple for him. And it had already been said preceding, you know, kings had been told this. Matter of fact, in, in Exodus chapter 25, you know, um, God's talking to his people. And at that time he says, hey, I want you to, to, to make a tent you know, a tent that's going to, and what it was, is it was going to house God's presence. And what God was saying to people about the temple and, you know, what he continues to say to us is that I created you for a purpose. Like every person in this room, God says, I created you for a purpose. And the purpose is, you know, not something out there. You know, to, you know, some job or vocation. That's fine. But God says, I created you with the purpose. And you're always going to be searching for that purpose. But the purpose God says, I created you for was to be in a relationship with you. God says, I created you that you would know me. To walk with me, to be with me. And God says, I want you to build this temple because it's going to symbolize, it's going to represent my presence with my people. Like, that's what I want you to think about when you go to this temple, that I'm going to be with you. And unless we think about that, know that, remember that, that God says, hey, I created you for a relationship to be with you. We're always going to fill this void in our life. We're always going to be searching and when you know that God is with you, then it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. You can learn to be content and you can learn to make it through and you can be okay making it through whatever the circumstances are in your life. And when you lose that hope, that knowledge that God is with you, then life feels like it can become very hopeless. You know, first service, you know, um, I was standing outside and, you know, people will greet me, obviously, just you know, chit-chat, right, whatever, to say hi. And, and a lady was walking out after service and, and you know, the staff will remind me her name. And, and um, I didn't know her too well. I don't know her. I, you guys don't know everybody. And 
but um, Mitzi said, hey, Pastor Brandon, I want to introduce somebody. And um, this person, this lady, fell out a prayer request, and, and this is public. And she said, I want everybody to know because I need people praying for me because I just found out on Monday I have stage 2 ovarian cancer. And God wanted her to know for service that he's with her, that God is with us through the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Like this whole idea of this temple, it's not about a building. It's about God's presence with us. And that he doesn't want us to lose hope. He wants you to know that he's with you this morning. You know, this, this past week I got a phone call from a, a, a high school friend and um, I was on Friday, and I was out running, and he called me, and I answered my phone, and he's like, hey, can I talk to you? Um, I have to tell you some bad news. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm running right now, so I probably can't focus too much. Can I call you back? He's like, sure. So we chatted yesterday. Called, we called one another. I can't remember. And, and uh, he said, hey, I want to tell you that a high school classmate, he's just 55, he just committed suicide. He just, he just killed himself, I think it was the day before, on Thursday or Friday. He had lost hope. He had lost hope in life. And he thought whatever is on the other side is better than what he's experiencing now. God doesn't want us to lose hope like that. And so in this Old Testament passage, it seems so, I don't know, to me it's kind of just seems can be foreign and just, you know, it's not part of our culture thinking about this Old Testament temple where they come and make these sacrifices and blood everywhere and, you know, all, just stuff. But what God wanted to communicate to his people is I want you to build this building because it's going to symbolize my presence with you. That I want to speak to you. And I want to reveal myself to you. And I want you to know me. Primarily, you're going to know me through, through my word. And my presence is going to cause that to come alive in your heart as you seek me out. And as you continue to live your life by the way that I say, this is what's best for you. And I don't know. I mean, you know, I told, I've told you guys this, this story before. We picked these messages out like back last fall. I had, you know, last fall we picked out this series and, you know, we knew on this date that I was going to teach on, on specifically this Old Testament temple. And, you know, it can be like, well, what is, again, what does this have to do with today? And the message that God wants to communicate to us is that he's with us. And he created us to be in relationship with him. And that's what's most important. He wants to reveal himself to you this morning. And reveal to you what it looks like to be in relationship with him. And he doesn't want you to be hopeless like my friend who committed suicide. And he wants you to be hopeful like the lady who walked out after first service. Who five days earlier, six days earlier got diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And I don't know what your circumstances are. Those of you who are in the room or those who are listening online right now. Those who are watching but God wants you to know that he's with you this morning and that he is for you this morning. So we have this story uh, in the Old Testament 
This, this is a book called Kings, in First Kings chapter 6. And um, we've been reading about these kings. And, you know, I encourage you guys, uh, I'm missing it now, but, um, oh, here it is. You know, I encourage you guys, we have these little devotionals. These are, we pass these out. They're, they're gone for this month. So it's a five-day devotional. And so Pastor Don wrote this. And so this upcoming week, I can't say, there's only so much I can say in the next 25 minutes. But Pastor Don will help articulate things and take what I say and take it much deeper. And so we pass these out and hopefully you grab these. Next month, Ryan Donigan's kicking off a brand new series for us. And we'll have a new one of these devotionals. And we, there's only 300 of them that we print. So you're going to grab them before they're gone. Okay. So you can grab these and it will help you take whatever's spoken to you on the Sunday morning in a much deeper way throughout the week. So grab a copy of that um, starting next week. And hopefully you're still following along. So 1 Kings chapter 6. I think we have that there. 1 Kings chapter 6. So this story takes place. Almost 3,000 years ago. We've been talking about this for the last month now. It's like 3,000 years ago, God's people have been held captive as slaves in Egypt. And then they leave. They wander the, the promise. They wander the, the wilderness for 40 years. They go into the promised land, which is modern-day Israel. And, um, after, after time period, um, they have kings and a guy named Saul is the first king, and he's a king for 40 years. And a guy named David is another king, and he's king for 40 years. And then this guy Solomon becomes the third king of Israel. And God gives him the task of building a temple for him. It was a physical building that would symbolize housing God's presence with his people. And today, you know, so there was two temp temples that were built. Solomon built one, and then there was another one that was built. And, um, you know, in 70 uh, A.D., it was destroyed. And all that's left of the temple area is this called the Western Wall or the Wailing Wall. And how many of you have ever seen a picture of the Wailing Wall? I don't have a picture. How many of you have ever seen a picture of the Wailing Wall? Right, okay, a lot of us have. You can go home and Google the Wailing Wall. It's today where I've been to Israel, you know, had the privilege like 22 years ago going there. It's where Jewish people will go, lots of Christians will go, and there's this wall, and it's all that was left of the temple area. It's just a wall. It's like an exterior wall, right? And um, it's the most holy site for Jewish people today because that's all that's left of what symbolizes God's presence with, with Jewish people. And so Jews will go there and they'll stick notes in this wall, notes to God as they're talking to God. And that symbolizes, that's as close as they have to symbolizing God's presence with his people. But we as Christians have something much different than that. We'll get to that. But God told Solomon to build this temple for him. And so we're going to read a little bit of the story and we're going to read, well, what happened at this temple? Why is this significant to us as Christians? And on your um, handout, I'll, I'll give you some fill-ins for that so you can think about it. So this is a story about King Solomon building this temple. It says it was in the springtime in the month of Zev, during the fourth year of Solomon's reign, that he began to construct the temple of the Lord. This was 480 years after the people of Israel were rescued from their slavery in the land of Egypt. Going down to verse 16. The Lord gave this message to Solomon concerning this, he says, concerning this temple 
now that you are building, he says, if you keep all my, all my decrees, Solomon, and my regulations, and if you obey all of my commands, and I'm telling you these things because this is what's best for you to be in relationship with me, this is what's going to bring the most joy and fulfillment in your life. You know, God's not a killjoy. God tells you what's best for you so that you can walk in relationship with him so that your life can be fulfilled. God doesn't give us all kinds of rules to obey and things like that so he can rob us of joy. He's like, no, I want you to have a, a life joyful, a life fulfilled. He says, Solomon, if you keep all these decrees and regulations and commands, he says, I will fulfill excuse me, commands, I will fulfill through you the promise I made to your father David. I will live among the Israelites. Now notice he says, I will live among the Israelites and will never abandon my people. Israel, God says. Verse uh, 38. It says the entire building, Solomon built this building and, you know, you read different things, and, and it, it costs anywhere from hundreds of millions to several billions of dollars in today's economy to build this temple. So it says the entire building was completed in every detail by mid-autumn in the month of, of Bull during the 11th year of his reign. It took Solomon seven years to build the temple. The next chapter, chapter 7, says that Solomon also, during the same time, he built a palace for himself. It took seven years to build a temple, but says Solomon built a palace for himself, and it took 13 years to complete the temple, or excuse me, to complete his palace. So seven years it takes Solomon to build this temple. And we're like, okay, well, well great. What does that have to do with me? This is 3,000 years later. So I want us to, to think about what this has to do with us. We kind of have to go big picture, then we'll take all the way down to you individually. So I think I wrote, I wrote in my notes, I think, what, five things that took place at the temple and what it symbolized. And these are on your notes on the flip side there. Okay, so the first thing is this. The purpose of, the, of Solomon's temple was, number one, it symbolized God with us. God with us. Okay? You'll, you'll recognize that phrase, right? God with us. This is what God said about the temple in Exodus. This is actually the tent of meeting. There was a tent. There was this process of becoming a, a tent to a tabernacle to a temple. So in Exodus 25, God says, have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary. Why? You already heard this. Why does God want us to build this? So I can live among them. So I can live among them. And then in 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 13, again, God says this about this temple. I will live among the Israelites, and I will never abandon my people Israel. So the very first thing that we have to think about, about this temple that God called Solomon to build, it symbolized God living with his people. That God's not far away. That God wants to be in us and among us and to live with us. That God wants to Speak to us in our lives. That God's not distant, but he's here with us this morning. God was communicating that to Solomon. I want to be with my people. I created you to be in relationship with you. So when you think about the temple, that's the first thing I think about. Oh, God wanted to be with people. The God of this universe, we keep on having pictures of all these telescopes and all these things. And, the, you know, the universe is bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and for me, it's just kind of hard to wrap my mind around all that stuff. 
how big the universe is and how much bigger God is than all that. But the fact is, is that, and sometimes I'm, sometimes I'm out there running, I think, oh, I'm so small compared to you, God. I'm, you know, so tiny and insignificant, but God, you want to be with me. And I'm reminded of that when I think about the temple, that God wants to be with me. The second thing he told them about the temple is that it was supposed to symbolize and represent God's word to us. Because in the middle of the temple was this sanctuary, this holy of holies. In the middle of this sanctuary, there was an ark. And in the middle of this ark was what represented the Ten Commandments, God's word to his people. It says, he says, Solomon prepared the inner sanctuary at the far end of the temple where the ark of the Lord's covenant would be placed. And we learn a little bit more about the ark in the next passage, 1 Kings chapter 8. It says, nothing was in the ark except for the two stone tablets, or in other words, God's word. The two stone tablets that Moses had placed in it at Mount Sinai, where the Lord made a covenant with the people of Israel when they left the land of Egypt. Exodus chapter 25 goes on a little bit more. It talks about this ark, right? This container that held God's word. How God wanted to speak to his people. It says, place inside the ark the stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant which I will give to you. Then put the atonement cover on top of the ark and I will meet with you there and I will talk to you, God says, from above the atonement cover between the cherubim, these, these, these figures that represented angels that hover over the ark. From there I will give you my commands for the people of Israel. So when I think about the temple, I think, oh, the temple symbolized God's presence with his people. It symbolized God speaking to us, God revealing himself to us, God's word. I mean, it's like, man, I want to hear God's voice. I want God to speak to me. The temple symbolized that. The third thing that happened at the temple, it was a place of prayer, right? It was a place where people would go and they would talk to God. And they would go more importantly than talking to God. You know what they would do? They would listen to God. They would listen for his voice that God would speak to them. And hopefully that's why you're here this morning. It's like, oh, God, would you speak to me? I need you to speak into my life. I don't want to be, be like Pastor Brad's friend who just took his life because he lost all hope. But God, I need you to speak to me this morning. That's what happened at the temple. First Kings chapter 8. Again, um, it says, may you watch, Solomon's speaking, the king is speaking. He says, God, may you watch over this temple night and day, this place where you have said my name will be there. God's presence would be there. God, may you always hear the prayers that I make toward this place. May you hear the humble and earnest requests from me and your people when they pray towards this place. God, yes, hear us from, yes, God, hear us from heaven where you live, and when you hear God, would you forgive us? God, I want to I speak to you. God, I want you to hear from me, and I want to be able to hear your voice when I come to this temple, this place, God. I want to be able to listen for you and know and experience forgiveness because I know that I've not always listened to you, God, and I've done my own thing. Isaiah chapter 56, and Jesus quotes this. He talks about the temple and he said, this is meant to be a house of prayer, filled with prayer. Again, communication, talking to God and listening to God. Isaiah says, I will, I will accept their burnt offerings. He's 
quoting, speaking for God, I will accept their burnt offerings and their sacrifices because my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Like everybody will be able to come. Everybody will be drawn in to this house, to this place. I think the fifth thing, or the fourth thing, excuse me, that I see that takes place in the temple, when people would go to the temple, of course, they would do what we often do here on Sunday mornings, right? They would sing. They would worship. They were like, God, I want it. Because sometimes it's just better rather than, you know, just talking. It's better to sing about God. It's better to celebrate what God's doing in your heart and in your life. And sometimes it's, it's just easier to say things in song versus just talking to God. It's easier just to sing about God and to worship him and celebrate him than just talking. Sometimes there's something different that happens when I sing to God. First Chronicles chapter 6 tells us the story. says that King David had assigned the following men to lead the music at the house of the Lord after the ark was placed there. Like they had assigned people that led them in worship even. They ministered with the music at the tabernacle which preceded the temple. They ministered with music at the tabernacle until Solomon built the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem. And then they led it there also. They carried out their work following all the regulations handed down to them. Like, oh, no wonder we we sing when we gather together. That's what we see happening in the Old Testament. That's why I do it in my life, right? The fifth thing that we often see happening, right, is that people made sacrifices. We already had this reference that people made sacrifices and they made offerings to God. They would come and they say, God, you know, I know that I've sinned. I know that I've, you know, I've walked differently. You know, I have not listened to you, God. And so, God, I know that your justice and your mercy is here. And so I know that blood has to be shed for my disobedience and my waywardness in my life. First Kings chapter 8 says, when they went to the temple, it says, may you be completely faithful to the Lord our God. May you always obey his decrees and commands just as you're doing today. Then the king said to all of Israel with him, they offered sacrifices to the Lord. That same day, the king consecrated the central area of the courtyard in front of the Lord's temple. And he offered burnt offerings and grain offerings and the fat of peace offerings. And, you know, and these were just rituals. They didn't, you know, the, when, they, when they, you know, made these sacrifices, it was symbolizing God coming and God forgiving us. God forgiving his people and restoring relationship with his people until Jesus would come later on. The last thing that as I think about the temple, things that took place, and we might not often think about this, but evangelism would take place. In other words, they would go there and and people who didn't know God would would be reached at the temple. Like God's name would be proclaimed and people would be drawn to this temple. Um, I think about 1 Kings chapter 8. It's our passage. It says, in the future, foreigners who do not belong to your people, Israel, will hear of your name, God, and they will come from distant lands because of your name. For they will hear of your great name and your strong hand and your powerful arm. And when they pray towards this temple, God, where your presence is, then they will hear from heaven where you live and they will grant, and grant what they ask of you. In this way, all the people of the earth will come to know and to fear you, have respect and honor for you, God, just as your own people of Israel do. They too will know that this temple I have built honors your name. We often don't think about that, but people who didn't know God would come and be drawn to that place. 
So those are some of the things that would take place in the Old Testament. 3,000 years ago, in this temple that Solomon had built, we see these different... There's other things that took place, but those are the things that stood out to me specifically. Now, we fast forward a little bit to the New Testament. And I wrote in the New Testament, this is my own kind of understanding, there's four different kinds of temples in the New Testament. There's four different kinds of temples in the New Testament that we'll see. The very first one is this, right? That Jesus... And the New Testament is a temple or is the temple. This is what Jesus says about, it says that the word became human. Remember, the word was represented in the Old Testament in this Ark of the Covenant. That was the word. It says, well, Jesus, the word, Jesus was the word and he became human and he made his home among us. Jesus was the word and he became flesh. This word that was symbolized in the ark in the Old Testament became flesh and walked among us. So Jesus is the temple. Like he fulfills God with us. Listen to uh, John chapter 2. Jesus is talking about himself. He says, all right. He says, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The people are listening. They're like, what are you talking about? They're thinking of this temple, the little physical building. What they said is taken 46 years to build this second temple and you can rebuild it in three days Jesus like, oh, no, no, no. But when Jesus said this temple, he meant his own body. In the New Testament, we see that Jesus, right? Matthew says that, that they're, they're told to name Jesus Emmanuel, which means what? That God is with us. Jesus wants you to know like, oh, I'm with you. I'm God with you. So in the New Testament, we see that Jesus is the temple. We also see in the New Testament a little bit differently, right? That the church universal is the temple. The church together, and we're talking about whether you're Baptist, whether you're Methodist, whether you're, you know, charismatic, whether you're Protestant, or, you know, whether you're Greek Orthodox, whether you're Catholic. There's this large church together that makes up the universal church that is the temple. Listen to how the Apostle Paul puts it. He says, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are all members of God's family. Together we are his house or this temple built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And the cornerstone, that temple is Jesus Christ himself. We are carefully joined together in him, in Jesus, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. You know, sometimes, uh, sometimes on a Friday night, Debbie and I like to go up to Ann Arbor. And there's a Catholic church up in Ann Arbor. And they talk about Jesus all the time in this Catholic church. And on Friday nights, they have a prayer service. Just a couple times, um, like twice a month, they have a prayer service. And Debbie and I like to go up to this Catholic church because they talk about Jesus and they preach about Jesus. And they just have a prayer service. And we know that that is part of God's people. And together we are this universal church, this temple together. That God's presence is there and that's okay. And it's a good thing to be with other brothers and sisters in Christ. And some people are like, oh, what? You know, so don't send me hate mail, you know, but this is what the Bible says, right? The third thing. Not only we see in the New Testament, these four temples of Jesus, the universal church, but we see our own local church. Paul talks about each local church as a temple. Listen to how he phrases it in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He says, don't you realize that all of you together, he's writing to a specific church, all of you together are the temple. All of us together 
are the temple of God and that the spirit of God, remember, why does, what did the temple represent, symbolize? God's presence with his people. He says, all of you guys together are the temple of God, that the spirit of God lives in you. God will destroy anyone who destroys his temple. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple that our church together is supposed to be different and we're supposed to look different and act different from those who don't know Jesus Christ. We're supposed to, as a church, be separated and dedicated. There's this whole mission, all these things that we just read about, like that's what our church is supposed to look like. That's what we're supposed to do. Come here and pray and come here and worship. Come here and hear God's voice and know God's presence is here. That's what Paul's talking about here, that our local church, like when people... You know, I, I've met lots of people. One of the most common things that, you know, I meet new people. I'm like, well, wh- how'd you find yourself here? Well, I was just driving by. And there's just something about your church. And I just, and that's our hope is that people just drive by. And that there's like, oh, that God's presence is drawing people to this place. Because we know God is here with us together. Our local church is supposed to be that kind of a place. Finally, the fourth temple in the New Testament that we see this might feel a little bit, seem a little bit weird, like, but I wrote, I slash my body. I am a temple of God's presence. Like, oh, this is, so we take it from the Old Testament, the big, all the way down to each and every one of us in this room. Listen to how Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He says, don't you realize that not only is your church a temple, he says, but don't you realize that your body like talking about each and every one of us as followers of Jesus Christ. He says, don't you realize that your body is the temple? You house God's presence, the Holy Spirit. He lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. It's like, oh, wow. So in the Old Testament, I see this temple symbolized God's presence with his people and all these things that took place in the New Testament, all the way from Jesus, all the way down to my life individually, that I'm a temple of God's presence. His spirit lives in me. So everywhere I go, everywhere I walk, I carry the presence of God with me. Like, oh man, I represent Jesus Christ to all these people around me. I represent Jesus to people around me. I carry God's presence with me. 1 Peter chapter 2. The apostle Peter puts it like this. Excuse me. He says, you are living stones, right? You're not dead. You're not just some block, but you're actually alive, right? We're living stones, a part of this larger body. We're living stones, part of this larger temple, You are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. So come to him, you who are acceptable to him because of Jesus Christ. You're not acceptable to God because of anything good that we've done. You're acceptable because of Jesus Christ. And offer to God those things that please him. So I thought about that. I thought, oh. Okay, 2,700 years ago, this temple, I see in the New Testament, Jesus, the universal church, North Point, our local church, my own individual life. And I thought, well, what should my life as a temple of the Holy Spirit be look like, should look like? 
And I thought, oh, well, it's easy. My life should be marked by what? God's power and God's presence in my life. Because the Holy Spirit is in you. So God's power and his presence should mark your life. God's word should fill my life just like it filled the Old Testament temple. Prayer should be this aspect of my life that I'm constantly talking and listening to God. I'm communicating because he's with me. My life should be marked by a witness for him. Because remember, it says that all these people from all these nations will be drawn in and they'll come to know God. And I'm like, oh yeah, I am a temple of the Holy Spirit. And I'm called to be an ambassador for him, a representative for him. I'm supposed to go out and share about him with people around me, people that are my relational circle. In the temple, we saw this community take place where people felt a part of this family, right? Like, oh, these were my relationships are built and significant. And I should have community here. And holiness should mark this temple. Like God says, oh, you're separate. You're dedicated to me. Your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit, right? Be careful. Be careful of the relationships, right? Be careful of, of how you're being influenced. Be careful of the sin, right? Don't allow sin to enter into your eye gate and your ear gate in your lives because you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. Your life should be marked by holiness that's different. You know, some churches, you know, we, we try not to, you know, I, I want to say this um, respectfully and politely and, you know, and so I kind of grew up in churches that were super traditional and, you know, and, you know, we, we're limited on space here and, you know, and, and, and so there are some churches, they're like, oh, you can't bring coffee into the temple. You can't bring coffee into the sanctuary. Oh, you know, you can't let your kids, you know, run like wild Indians, right, all over the, the auditorium. And, and we want to be respectful, right, of God's sanctuary, of this place. But, you know, more importantly about our own lives individually, like saying, oh, God, my life is supposed to be marked by holiness you know, I'm dedicated specifically to you. You know, I'm set apart for your purpose. That's what a life of holiness looks like. That's my purpose, God, to be in relationship with you. My purpose, sorry, I'm just making iconic for certain people. You know, I just saw Kelly over here. You know, Kelly's a, a school counselor. What an amazing gift she has. And so important, right? That she's a school, I mean, you know, we need school counselors more than ever. And that's a great gift that she has. You know, uh, Lauren back here and, and Nathan are just moving to California. This week, this is her last Sunday. And Lauren's going to be this incredible doctor to astronauts. It's like, wow, it's amazing, right? You know, I can look all across over here. I, I got Nick over here. And Nick's only 27. And Nick has got this huge influence, well, my eyes, this huge influence on YouTube, and, he's, and he works at Jeep, you know, and that's incredible that God's given him that opportunity. But those are just jobs, right? More than all those things, they're all called to represent Jesus. And wherever they go, that place where they go. And Kelly knows when she speaks, 
And Lauren knows when she does what she does and Nick does what he does at Jeep. Oh, I'm God's presence in each one of those places. His power and his presence is in my life and I carry Jesus with me. And I can have hope this morning because God created me to be in relationship with him. So with that, I want to take a moment before I let you go this morning and pray for you. Jesus, I want to thank you for my friends that are here and those that are listening online. I want to thank you for your word, Jesus, and that you are with us this morning. And um, that we can read the Old Testament and God, you can speak to us through scriptures in the Old Testament as we read about the temple. And Jesus, may our lives be marked by these characteristics that I just mentioned. Jesus, may we walk away today remembering that you love us, that you're with us. Even right now, this very moment that you're with us. Jesus, I pray as we walk away this morning that we will remember that you've called us for a purpose to walk in victory and to be your ambassador to people around us, to bring your joy and your power and your presence to people around us, that they would too come to know you, Jesus. Continue to work in our hearts and our lives, we pray, as we surrender all that we have to you. In Jesus' name, everyone said.